It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on the Washington football team with the Locked on Washington football team podcast. I am David Harrison, writer for SI.com's fan nation. He is Chris Russell, one half of the Russell Mentor show on the Team 980 Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern and on the Odyssey app. We thank you for making the Locked on Washington football team podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And we are on Twitter at WrestleMania621 at DHarrison82 and at Locked WFT Pod. Again, thank you for making this show your first listen. Every single day, we're going to hear from some more Washington football team fans following the Washington win over the Carolina Panthers. Back-to-back upset wins for the Washington football team. And Chris and I are going to share our takeaways. But before we do all of that, Chris, we got to catch up with some news and some notes and some opening, well, semi-opening lines. Some interesting things happening happening with the bookies uh, concerning next Monday night's game between yeah. the Washington football team and the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and maybe some of this is what we're going to start with first before we actually get into the crux of that and the line movement, David, is you know we found out on Monday, as kind of expected, that Logan Thomas is expected to return to practice on Wednesday. And Washington has the extra you know day off to prepare. And the thought is, that Logan Thomas is actually going to practice. They're going to activate the 21-day IR practice window, meaning they, they can keep him basically in this status of limbo for 21 days if they want to, or they can activate him back to the, the 53-man roster uh, at any point during that. And basically, it gives them an opportunity for him to fully practice or practice at least on a limited basis and for them to assess where he's at, not only in terms of practice, but obviously where he comes back into the facility at. He's not been made the progress that I thought, quite honestly, he would make when he first got injured against Atlanta in week four, David. I knew it was going to be several weeks. Did not expect him to miss Tampa and Carolina. So Logan Thomas, what is it? What are we at? Week 
11 now. Uh, yeah, right, this we're in week up. 11, so Seattle week will be 11. week 12, right? Yeah, so he, he's been out for you know six and a half weeks, but it does appear it does appear that he's heading in the right direction. And when you couple that with Curtis Samuel, who was limited on Friday, mm-hmm. did not play on Sunday, we as far as we know, did not suffer a setback. It's possible that Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel could return mm-hmm. for the Washington football team on Monday night. Mm, just in time too, as the, uh, the playoff race is heating up and the Washington football team getting right back into it. Yeah. Logan Thomas, uh, being back and Curtis Samuel, you know, being on the field, just in general, we already saw a little bit of what Curtis Samuel kind of adds from a dynamic standpoint to the offense, a little bit against Atlanta. You could tell the difference between the offense and the way they executed just in that little snapshot. Imagine, uh, potentially, and I don't want to get people too excited, but imagine what could possibly happen. You get a guy like that versatility, that versatility back on the field. It's about getting healthy at the right time and clicking at the right time. You look at last season, now you look at what's happening already here after the bye this season. You drew the parallels already. Listen, Ricky Seals-Jones, I mean, I don't know, you know, the the entire status him, but if he can come back, I mean, the experience and the, and, the, and the cohesion he was able to build a little bit in that offense, if he comes back and Logan Thomas is still healthy and Curtis Samuel comes back, you now have a lot of, of weapons and a lot of pieces on the field. And, oh, by the way, DeAndre Carter, it's like every single week uh, this young fellow takes another step up in the mm-hmm. offense. So, I mean, don't look now. This Washington offense could be turning into something that needs uh, to be worried about. And, and obviously, Chris, uh, the guys that set the lines for betting, uh, look, they look like they're agreeing. Yeah, so this is um, – and, again, this could be a result of a couple of things. This could be a result of the Logan Thomas news – and maybe some forecasting, it could be a, whoa, what in the bleep were we thinking? It could be just simply a overcorrection of what appears to be a bad opening number. So here's the deal. Uh, I I went back and I did some research on this. We were talking about this before we recorded the show. So Seattle opened up as a three and a half point favorite. In this game. Now, these lines were generated um, Sunday evening, right? So Seattle opened up as three and a half point favorites, which was surprising to me, surprising, I think, to just about everyone, right? Because Seattle's three and seven. They've got a a 1% chance of making the playoffs. They've been terrible. Uh, Russell Wilson's been awful since coming back. But now, David, check this out. It was minus one in Seattle's favor on bet online. According to uh, to betql.com, they now have Washington as a one-point favorite. Mm-hmm. So in the span of 24-ish hours from Sunday night, Washington has gone from three-and-a-half-point dogs at home, and now they're one-point favorites. That's how much the line has moved. I'll tell you what happened. A bunch of Washington football team fans were sitting at home because they weren't in the stadium watching the game, but they immediately went to the books and said, what, what, what is the, what is the line on this game for next week? And they saw the Seattle Seahawks getting their butts whooped against the Arizona Cardinals. And they saw that the Washington football team was underdogs at the time. And they said, give me that action. So real quickly, as we wrap up this opening segment, before we get to our big takeaways with a win next Monday night, and if the giants beat the Eagles this Sunday, if the saints lose to the bills on Thursday night, in New Orleans for Thanksgiving, and the 49ers lose to the Vikings. So a lot has to happen. The Washington football team, which right now is the eighth 
seed, technically, mm-hmm. in the East could be the seventh seed and in one of the playoff spots. How about that? Yeah. And we were just taking voicemails like two weeks ago about NFL draft You're, stock. So, right. I mean, that's how quickly things can change. And that's how quickly things have changed uh, for the Watch football team. And we'll see if they can keep it going against Seattle Seahawks. Because again, now it's different. Now you're going to come in getting hunted. Now you're the underdog. Now Russell Wilson's going to be told all week about how they don't have enough firepower to defeat you in primetime on Monday night. So let's see how those things kind of adjust uh, in, in the moment. No doubt about that. Uh, along with David Harrison, I'm Chris Russell. This is the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. So just some things for you guys to chew on. Obviously, we'll get more news and information as we go throughout the week on the injuries. And of course, again, the playoff seedings and the line movement are just extra fodder for us to think about and care about on this Thanksgiving week. We're back with our big takeaways from Sunday's win in just a flash right here on the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com slash credit card all right once again thanks for making the locked on washington football team podcast your first listen each and every day we are free and available on all platforms along with david harrison at d harrison 82 i'm chris russell at russellmania 621 you can follow the pod at locked wft pod david why don't we go to the voicemail line uh and get big mac after a big win David Chris this is a Big Mac from South Carolina calling in. Great game this week. Um, I do think we need to shore up our offensive line because Heineke took a lot of hits um, during this game, and I, and I hate that Gibson fumbled the ball. That, that kind of almost broke us a little bit, but we had a nice little comeback. And I, I see where we played some great defense, so I got to give shout-outs to the defensive coordinator and uh, – and the offense coordinator, they, they, they did some good plays this weekend. I'm looking forward to getting another win next week. Y'all have a good week. All right, Big Mac, thank you very much. As always, Big Mac in and out. Now that you've won two in a row, David, there's going to be a lot of expectation to win this game and really probably to win it going away. When he talks about uh, Big Mac, the offensive line, I don't walk away with – the same exact feeling. I don't know about you. I thought Brandon Sheriff really struggled, especially in the second half uh, when when Reddick and Burns started cranking it up a little bit. If you remember that accordion type sack where they both combined and kind of bent Taylor Heineke like a pretzel. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, Sheriff allowed three quarterback pressures yeah. uh, overall, and that was two more than anyone else on the line. And for the most part, the line was pretty good in pass pro, and they were really good rushing off the left side, especially behind Charles Leno and Eric Flowers. Now, one thing I am concerned about, uh, Tyler Larson went out, and also Cosme got banged up, so Cornelius Lucas had to come back in. They're getting thin, basically, on that offensive line. Yeah, it's a war of attrition in the NFL, and that's, you know, every team faces that, but offensive line, that's where you really don't want to lose guys. So I think in this game, you know, it could, it could look a little bit like I, I can see why Big Mac, you would see this game and say, man, that offensive line's got to get better, for, you know, for the stretch run. 
Uh, Taylor Heineke hit six times. You know, he was under pressure a little bit during the game, but also at the same time, Carolina Panthers pass rush, pass rush, uh, second best in the NFL. They're getting, they're getting home to the quarterback. They're one of two teams getting home to the quarterback uh, about a right around 10% of opposing pass attempts. That's, that's an insane amount. Like every hundred pass attempts, they're getting about 10 sacks on the end, on the quarter, on the opposing quarterback. That's crazy guys. That's like two and a half games worth of pass attempts are getting 10 sacks. Think about that. And so I think when you put it in that context, honestly, the watch football team offensive line didn't do too bad uh, in that context. You know, I think, I think the offensive line did pretty well, but yeah, I could see why in this game, it's a little bit of a down performance, but again, you're going up against the number two pass rush in, in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, very, very tough um, challenge. And I thought overall they did okay. All right, let's move into our takeaways. We each have two. Uh, outside that first drive, right? So the context of this, the first drive, nine plays, 60 yards. Carolina goes down, scores a touchdown. Uh, six run plays, 29 yards. Three pass plays, 31 yards, including the 10-yard touchdown pass from Cam Newton to DJ Moore. After that, uh, the Washington football team defense allowed 82 yards on 15 carries, 158 yards on 24 carries. Now that's 5.5 yards per carry. And that's obviously not, you know, the average that you want to be giving up. And it's 6.6 yards per attempt. Now the 6.6 yards per attempt is actually fairly good. When you look at some of the best defenses uh, in the national football league. And so all in all outside that first drive, and maybe that one driver there before the, uh, the first, the end of the first half, watch football team defense played really well. And kind of, and the overall lesson from that is find a way to start fast. Right. And Jack Delgado talked about like, we don't coach them to not start fast. You know what I mean? Like they, they want them firing off on that first drive. If this Washington football team defense can figure out how to do what they do in the rest of the game on the first drive of the game, then you could see a marked improvement in the way this team operates. Yep. They were atrocious in that regard in the first half of the season on the first drive, the Tampa game, they didn't allow any points on the first drive. But again, uh, what you mentioned in, uh, in Carolina on Sunday, and they almost had them stopped. Remember, they had a fourth yeah, and one, did. and Carolina went for it on a little toss pitch. My first takeaway is this. Up 21-14 near the very end of the third quarter on the road and playing reasonably well, right? Um, Ron Rivera faced a fourth and eleven. From the Carolina 38, he could have gone for a 55-yard field goal, pooch punted it, or he could have gone for it again on 4th and 11 from the Carolina 38. He chose to try and line up like he was going for it. They tried to get Carolina to basically go off sides so that they could get the free five yards to make it a 50-yard field goal attempt as opposed to a 55. They did not. So they then took the delay of game, which backed them up to the Carolina 43. And then they pooch punted it inside the Carolina 10 down to the nine yard line. To me, live, I thought this was the right decision. I didn't trust Joey Sly. Remember, it gets spotted at the spot of the kick, not at the original line of scrimmage. So they lose seven yards. So Carolina would take over at their own 45, now down seven after having missed the field goal. So I didn't have a problem with them not going for it on fourth and 11. I didn't have a problem with them not going for the 55-yard field goal. I thought it was the absolute right decision. And more importantly, the decision to me made sense when Ron made it. And it also showed me, hey, you know what? I have a little bit more confidence in this team. 
Did that decision make sense to you? It made sense to me. Did you like that or not like that? Oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, I, I love that play because the, the thing about the, that game at the time, and you know, I love what we've seen from Joey Sly so far, but in that situation, you're up a touchdown. You're up a touchdown. You're, like you said, you're getting waning moments of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. Your defense has been basically feast or family. You go back to that. Um, at that point in time, the Carolina Panthers had either put together a drive of 60 plus yards or a drive of 20 or fewer yards. So your defense was basically either giving up the long drive or they were stopping them immediately. Now, if you give up the long drive, what ha- what also happens there? Well, exactly what happens. They go 90, 91 yards, but they also ate over four minutes of game clock. So you get the ball back. Now you're tied up. Your offense has been doing pretty well. And you have a situation that you're still in control of. If you give them the ball, you know, near the 50, maybe even on your own side a little bit because of something that goes wrong on that kick, you could turn around and there could be 10 minutes left in this game. And now you're tied. Instead, there's six minutes left in the game and you're tied and you have the ball. That's a much better situation to be put in. Honestly, I think uh, we, we heard some credit for uh, for Scott Turner and some credit for Jack Del Rio. I think Ron Rivera needs some credit for some of the decisions he's made during this two game winning streak. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I think I, I think just real quickly here uh, before our, our final timeout, I think Ron got these players. They always played hard. They didn't play smart. They didn't play well. But now they're playing hard and they're playing smarter and better. And that's a testament to him mm-hmm. and his coaching staff. And I, I will also say one other thing, and I asked him about this, you know, on Monday, like if he could put a finger on why he's a better second half coach, why this team is so far in his brief tenure here, a better second half team. And he kind of wandered all over with the answer. Uh, so I don't want to take anything away, but I mean, the, 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 the basic gist of it is, you know, the more they do things, the more repetitive they, they, they just keep, you know, like the more practice, the more film, the more pointers, the more coaching they get, um, the better the communication is, the better the tackling is, the better the awareness, the situational awareness mm-hmm. is. And it kind of combines into one. But you know what? The coaching staff and specifically the head coach had to resist panicking and not making just wholesale changes just because yeah. – the first half was awful at two and six. So give Ron and his staff a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen some changes here and there, right? But for the most part, it's it's what you saw in the beginning of the season. It's just more taught, more communicated, and more understood uh, by the team. But by and large, they're setting the table for the players just like they did in the beginning of the season. Chris, speak, speaking of setting the table, my wife, like Ron Rivera, like Scott Turner, like Jack Del Rio have been doing lately, sets a beautiful table. So if you have a bad Thanksgiving experience in my house, it's your fault. It's not my wife's fault. It's not anybody that's helping with the cooking or the preparation. And Thanksgiving, of course, is right around the corner here in just a couple of days. And you know what that means? It means good food, family, friends, hopefully for everybody out there. And of course, it means football, a Dallas Cowboy loss, certainly on the menu because nothing goes better with football than turkey betting and those Dallas Cowboys losing on Thursday afternoon. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before, and they remain your number one spot for your sports action this Thanksgiving. So head to the updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and get a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On with your first deposit. And it's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, hockey, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online 
We're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Wrapping up this episode of the Locked On Washington Football Team Podcast. David Harrison and Chris Russell on Twitter at Russellmania621 at DHarrison82 at Pod. Let's kick it over real quick for to Todd from Utah. Hey, this is Todd from Utah. Uh, just wanted to touch base. Uh, my questions can be kind of revolving a little bit around Taylor Heineke. So obviously he's had two pretty pretty stellar weeks in a row. It seems like uh, that things have clicked into place for him as far as the, the mental aspect of the game. There's still a, a little bit of a danger in the fact that he does get pretty comfortable with some of the the unique throws, from the back off the back foot, things like that. Uh, and, and, you know, arm strength can come into play on those. Um, but my question becomes, if, if, Tyler, if, he can, if he can continue to have success and show that he's got the mental uh, aspect of the game down, I would tend to think that, that maybe the lack of arm strength isn't as big of a deal. So the question is, if he can find a way to continue to be pretty good, continue to progress, through the rest of the season, would this coaching staff actually give him a shot to become the starting quarterback next year? You know, appreciate you guys. Thanks. All right, Todd. Thank you very much. Always appreciate hearing from you, David. Um, I don't know how you want to answer this one, but yeah, I think he's very much got a chance, especially if the second half continues to go the way it, it is going right now. Uh, But to Todd's point, you know, there are some things he still has to clean up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, those are pointed out during the broadcast or pointed out by us. And, and this is kind of what we've been talking about, right? We go back to uh, some of the the lesser games for Taylor Heineke at the quarterback position. We talked about, you know, the the, the shortcomings and, and the misfirings and all that stuff. And then people say, you know, is it time to move on? What we kept saying is, listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not walking back on the field anytime soon. The Cam Newton thing, if it was going to happen, it would have happened by then. The Tua Tunga Vailoa trade was never going to happen unless Deshaun Watson got traded to Miami first. So until one of those dominoes fell, it was going to be Taylor Heineke or nobody. So he still had time to start figuring it out. And I remember actually saying early on in the season, Chris, that it it could be a click moment. Like there could be a moment or a game where you kind of see everything kind of fall in line. Quarterback coach Ken Zampezi, he's been coaching quarterbacks longer than I've been doing anything. I don't know what he's done with, with Taylor Heineke. I don't know what he hasn't done with Taylor Heineke. What I would say, though, is that to a certain extent, and I go back to the movie Draft Day starring Kevin Costner. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it because you can't call yourself a football fan unless you've seen that movie. But there's a line in there, and it's total fiction. I got it. But there's a line in there that says, find out what the problem is and tell me if we can live with it, right? And, and that is such a poignant line because that's how every player in the NFL is, right? The Wash football team has to figure out is Taylor Heineke ever going to be a quarterback that throws off of a solid base? I'm honestly to the point right now, Chris, I don't think he ever will be. I think that's just his style of play. He's a Brett Favre type of guy. He's not technically sound. Can you win with him over the last two weeks? Yes, you can. If you can over the next eight weeks as well or or whatever, then perhaps, 
they continue in 2022 with him, but that's going to be told throughout the stretch of the season. Right now, entering week 12 is way too early to make any determination for or against Taylor Heineke being a starting quarterback in 2022 for this franchise. But what you've seen over the last two weeks is that the ability is there. It's the consistency now that you have to find. Right. I'm going to get to my final takeaway. Ron Rivera and Scott Turner clearly benched Antonio Gibson to get his attention. The five fumbles, the three lost, the one inside the 10 on Sunday, you can't have that, period. The question is, is did they really get his attention? So he runs out of bounds just under two minutes, no timeouts Mm. left from Carolina, has to do a better job of A, going down on his own, and B, and I don't know if you noticed this, but Antonio Gibson both with his right hand and his left arm or right arm, left arm at various different times, he's carrying the ball one handed or one armed again. And, and it's almost swinging like a cradle. There was times where he was contacted and hit and David, he did not have two hands on the ball. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, I'm not a running back. I, I, I don't try and tell you, I know everything, but something didn't seem right there. And I wanted to know if you noticed the same thing or, or what you kind of thought in hindsight. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they got his attention because he definitely ran hard in the second half and definitely looked he like did. a guy who's going out there trying to show I am the guy, but stepping out of the, stepping out of bounds in that situation is a huge mental mistake. Um, but yeah, I noticed it too. And I know the game broadcast noticed that he was still swinging. He, he runs like a wide receiver. He doesn't run like a running back. He runs like a wide receiver and that's, you know, to be expected to a certain extent. I don't, I don't want to say it's not necessarily getting through to him. It's just from an execution standpoint, it still didn't seem to, to transfer, right? The lessons may be heard and learned, but the performance isn't transferring and that's going to be a problem if it keeps up. Right. And, and, And again, listen, I, you know, they may be teaching him to carry it like a swing in one arm. I, if they are, I don't know if that's the right way to go about it, to be honest with you. And I'm just going to say, and maybe it was because I was just paying more specific attention. And I will tell you that JD McKissick doesn't run the ball like that. So they're teaching it. Then JD is not listening, but JD is also not fumbling. So, uh, you know, maybe keep not listening JD, if that's the case. Um, My final takeaway is going to be Taylor Heineke owns the NFC South. Now they got beat by the New Orleans Saints. It was a terrible performance by Taylor himself, right? But when you talk about the totality and the holistic look of the entire entire product, three and one against the NFC South this 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 season, why that should give Washington football team fans a little bit of excitement and 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 it's not just about Taylor, right? But it's about the team uh, moving forward. NFC South's best defense, Carolina Panthers, total defense, second in the National Football League. The Philadelphia Eagles are the best total defense that they're going to face in the, in the NFC East are 12th, 10 spots behind them. The best rushing defense in, in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints are number one in the NFL. The Buccaneers are number two in the NFL. So they face both those defenses, the Philadelphia Eagles rush defense. Again, the best in the NFC East, ninth place. Passing wise, the Carolina Panthers, again, the top defense in the NFC South, second overall in the NFL. The New York Giants are 12th place. So this team and you kind of look at the, you know, the defense is getting better too. The offense is getting better. This offense specifically has already beaten defenses in the NFC South that are better than every defense in the NFC East. On the defensive side of the ball, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, number one offense in the NFL in total offense. The Dallas Cowboys are third. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I'm saying you've already beaten an offense that is better than the best you're going to get in the NFC East. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 14th in the rush. They're the best in the NFC South. This is where the NFC East has a little bit of a leg up on the South. Eagles are third. And like you said, they're running all over people. That's going to be a tough, tough competition 
But I will tell you this, watch football team's rush defense is 10th overall in the NFL. And honestly, they weren't even all that good earlier in the season. So they're 10th now. That kind of shows you the growth they're making. Pass, passing offense, the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys are 6th, which is better than any team in the NFC South, but only by one spot. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing offense is literally a 10th of a yard worse than the Dallas Cowboys. So that's how close those two passing offenses are right now, Chris. Already beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass offense. This Washington football team offense has already beaten defenses better than every defense in the NFC East. And they have and the defense has done enough to contain offenses that are close to or better than NFC East offenses. That should be a reason for confidence because you know this team can win. Now it's just a matter of going out there and doing it. I think those are some interesting numbers. And and certainly we knew that the NFC South, just that portion was going to be tougher from a defensive perspective, uh, you know, coming in. And and that has proven to be true. But like you said, uh, two out of the three games, uh, three out of the four games, I should say, against the NFC South, they've really uh, done a good job. All right. Thanks to Big Mac and Todd from Utah for the voicemails. If you want to hop in on the voicemail line, always feel free to do so. 301-615-3577. That's 301-615-3577. Or if you want the email, LockedWFTPod at gmail.com. Not too many people chose that variety, but you could uh, if you want to. Also, want to thank you guys for making the Locked On Washington football team podcast your first listen of the day. Come on back later on this week. I'll be joined by a special guest to be determined. David will have a, uh, hopefully, a crossover edition, and we'll be have working a slightly different schedule with the holidays. You'll figure it out. Just come on back. We invite you back each and every day. Now make the second listen of your day, the Locked On Bets podcast, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. For David Harrison, who's covered the Washington football team for SI.com's Fan Nation, I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst show on the Team 980 with Pete Medhurst. We'll be back again with more episodes throughout this Thanksgiving week. If you're not with us, happy Thanksgiving. As Dan Snyder said when he introduced Ron Rivera, only this time it would be appropriate. Right here on the Locked On Washington football team. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.